The scripture for today's sermon comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 11. The word of God speaks to us. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish, childish ways. This is God's word to us. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Chad Puckett. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would be honored. It would be a joy. I like meeting new people. It's a good thing. So uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and I get the opportunity this morning just to walk through this section with us. This is a, a spot where I just kind of want to be like, where are we? Where are we as a church? It seems important. I mean, we're obviously stepping into summer. But we're also at a three-year point. And then we're in chapter 13, which should sig signal something for you. But we are uh, neck deep in this letter. We, we've been in it for a while. And, and, and if you're like, where are we? Uh, last week we were over here in this passage. This week we're over here, right back here in this chapter 13. Like, in general, we are a church that walks through books of the Bible. We walk through the text, we walk through as much as we possibly can, verse by verse, and, and we look at that. We've been doing this for a while. So a few weeks ago, Derek, one of our pastors, led us through a spot, at chapter 13. He began chapter 13 with us, where he just starts unpacking, this is what it says. And it, it talks and frames up love. Sometimes you'll hear it described as, this is the chapter on love. But what I want us to see, and here's why it's important for us to say, where are we? Here's, here's where we're at in this, is it is that. It is about love, but this is part of a three-chapter set, which is all about the gifts of God, the Spirit's gifts given to the church, given to followers of Jesus. And so love is a part of that. It's a really important part of it, but it lives in context. And this isn't just like, uh, what do we think about the gifts aren't just some sort of like nerd war conversation that's happening. They're part of like this large uh, question. So last week I stepped in and I said, I said, hey, let's just try to define what is miraculous. What is miraculous? And because I think our, our picture is both too big in some ways and too small in other ways for what that looks like. And this week we're coming back to kind of this foundational question of like, do, do these gifts even continue? Do they even continue today? Which is really important for us. And it's important for all of us because whether you're sitting here saying like, Chad, I'm just trying to make it through the day. I would say these gifts are for you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, like, I have, I have tried Christianity. I have tried faith in Jesus. I've tried all those things, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. And, and like, I have a, a dear friend, and that is essentially the question that he asks. Like maybe that's where you're at today and you're like, I've tried this faith thing. I've tried all these pieces and I just don't get it. And I would say, I would say these gifts 
the gifts of the Spirit actually carry with it a message of hope from the living God for you. And so I, I think what we have right here is something far beyond, far bigger than we give credit for. Like the spiritual gifts as recorded in the Bible, as, as we see, are not just good things to those around, but an unquantifiable blessing. And I say that intentionally because, like, we'd say, like, well, here's a blessing, and here are the edges of that blessing. Here's the end. The, the spiritual gifts that God gives, like, the gifts of the Spirit are unquantifiable. Like, we just can't even begin to put an edge on where the blessing begins and stops. Because we might see a piece of it, but only find out years later that this is how God used it. It's unquantifiable. The gifts of the Spirit are appetizers. Appetizers of a heavenly feast. Appetizers of something so much more, so much bigger. It's something that we can barely even grasp. They lead us. It's like an, an appetizer like what's the appetite, right? It's like, wait, man, I actually want more. I actually, I'm actually hungry for more now and not just this. Years ago, I, I was in Austin of all places. And, and I was in Austin and I wasn't really hungry. But when you're in Austin, you go to a barbecue place. And so I, I'm in Austin and I'm not hungry at all. I go through the line and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a salad. And the guy on the butcher knife takes a burnt end and hands it to me on the knife. And I take it, and it was like, I wouldn't have anything he put on my plate right then. <laughs> Man, these gifts are an appetizer. Leading us and, and leading our heart to the feast of the Lamb that we're promised. These are so much bigger than we give credit for, and, and we, they get reduced to something that's almost cartoonish. But, like, I don't want you to just take my word for it, that this is bigger and more beautiful than we give credit for. I, I actually want you to see it for yourself from the word of God, and then I want you to experience the spirit of God working in you and through you. And so I'm going to lay my cards on the table. We are a church Frontline is a church convinced by the word of God that the gifts of the Spirit continue because of the, the whole of Scripture. But particularly these words, these words answer some questions for us. And those questions lead us to so many more good questions. Like, for example, they lead us to say, like, what is what does this look like? When does this happen? What does it mean in part? And so let me read some of this text for us and then highlight a few more of these questions. Chapter 13, verse 8 says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As as for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. You see, it sets something really clear, and then it, it leads to like, wait, when will some of these things pass away? And what does it mean impartial? Why would I even want partial when I want the full? What is perfect? What is the perfect coming? It leads to all these questions. And then it's like, like, 
how is this a blessing in my life? And how does it play out? Like, it, it answers a question. Do these continue or do these, have, have these stopped? It answers a question for us with clarity and specificity. And then it explodes our mind into more questions. Not questions leading to confusion, but questions leading to clarity. Leading to hope, leading to life. So I want, I want to pray with you, and I want you to pray with me, and we'll just dive into this. Father, we need you. We need you right now. We need your spirit at work in our lives to do what only you can do. Pierce our hearts with your word today, and by your spirit, bring life, bring hope, bring faith. God, let us see you and, and love you more today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here it is. I, I kind of gave you where we are as a church. Let me, let me just kind of put this in comparison to Corinth. Corinth is a, a small church plant in the city of Corinth trying to find their place, trying to understand life, trying to just come together of like, what does it look like for a group of people to gather in a city and to live as followers of Jesus? That sounds familiar. They're living in this world, but, they're, but it's not their home, right? Like, how do we do that? That's the question that keeps coming up. Sometimes they're playing it safe, and sometimes they're missing the point. Most of the time they're making a mess, and yet uh, Paul's not coming alongside him and saying, hey, you guys are done, we're giving up on you. In fact, this whole letter is actually Paul bringing correction that they might pursue God more, not less. And they, Corinth, this church in Corinth is living in a culture similar to ours in some ways, absolutely foreign to ours in other ways, but, but there are similarities that we want to pay attention to. They're in a culture that was wanting the kingdom without the king. A few weeks ago, I kind of talked to you about some biblical themes that we see throughout the Bible that are really important for us to have handles on how we're to understand and walk this out. And one of them is the kingdom. And there's a kingdom points to a king. But so many of us in this day, in Yukon and in Corinth, we, we love the idea of the kingdom without the king. We want all the blessings of kingdom, the protections of kingdom, the, the trappings of kingdom, all the things that you get to enjoy in the kingdom without the king. We don't love that because kings kind of tell us how things are supposed to be oftentimes. And we don't like anyone ever to tell us how things are going to be. That was true in Corinth and that's true here. But there's also this aspect of the body. Here's a biblical theme you see again and again and again. The body, connected to the body, the body of Christ, in which followers of Christ are grafted, they're brought into this, and they're connected. Knees, elbows, all of those different pieces of this brought into it. And here today and in Corinth, people love the idea of like, I want all the life that comes from the body. I just don't want to be connected to the body. I want all that comes from that. I want to experience Jesus and hope in the fullness of God. I just don't want to be connected to the body. And so you see, like, well, I'm going to do my thing, and they can do their thing, and I don't really care. You see that. People are eating whatever they want in Corinth, and they're doing whatever they want. And here in Yukon, and even here in our church, it's sometimes it's such like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want. You guys can do it this way. I don't really care. That's not how it works. 
And the third biblical theme that you see again and again is the bride of Christ. This bride, and like here it is, Christ's bride, the bride and the bridegroom in this. And, and here, track with me on this, because so many people love all the blessings, the benefits, the joys of marriage, and they don't like the commitment of marriage. They think it's easy to say, like, well, the commitment piece is what is holding me back. It's like, it's the commitment piece. And so we live in a time, we live in a world in which it's like, well, I can be committed to all sorts of different things. But here's, here's my ride or die. And the Bible speaks a different word. It speaks a different word of marriage. It speaks a different word of commitment. And even when you put that, not just, it's not like we're, we're tacking it on to, like, how are we supposed to live? Like, marriage was given us as a picture of the gospel. And so commitment, the commitment to marriage isn't, like, the, the commitment piece isn't holding you back or withholding anything. It's actually the soil in which all of this blessing comes out of. And it's beautiful. In fact, the end of Revelation speaks of this marriage feast that we get to be a part of. All of this is true right here in Corinth. All of this is happening. And it's in this culture where Paul teaches them about the gifts of the Spirit. It's in this culture with all the mess and all the brokenness, all of those pieces swirling of culture. It's in right here in this in which Paul isn't saying pursue these gifts, gifts less. In fact, the very next verse, chapter 14, verse 1, is pursue them earnestly desire these gifts. And so here's what I want to say, just in context. Chapter 13 is part of a three-chapter kind of like semi-section. It's a section here, 12, 13, and 14, around the gifts. It, similar, we were talking about idols a few months ago. 8, 9, and 10 are a three-chapter section around idols and what, how, do we, how do we handle that in our culture and what do we do? The first chapter of each of these sections is very theological. It's very big picture. Here is what we're supposed to make of this theologically. The final chapter is really technical. It, it, so for us right here, chapter 14 is going to be like, here is the practical outflow of how this works. How are the gifts supposed to operate in the church? In the middle chapter, uh, both about idols and here about uh, about the gifts is very heart-centric. It's very heart-centric. And Paul puts himself in the middle of it. He's like, I have all the freedom in the world. It's like, we have the freedom to eat what we want, to drink what we want. But catch this, people. It is not about our freedoms. It's about God. And right here, Paul is like speaking so specifically about love for a reason. Because it's easy for us to start getting like, well, you have this gift and I have this gift and here's this one, but I want that one. And Paul's like, you're missing the point because there's something so much bigger and so much better. It's how we operate these things out of love. It's right here. It's the heartbeat of this teaching. And so we'll pick it up again right here at the beginning. Verse 8, love never ends. Love never ends. It's just crystal clear. Love never ends. As for prophecies, 
They're going to pass away. They will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For, like why? Why are these things going to pass away? Like for, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So here's this clear teaching. The spiritual gifts, Paul explains, will cease. Verse 8. They're going to. There's no way around it. And so the question that comes out of it, the question that we alluded to in the beginning, is like when, when, when are these going to cease? Prophecies are going to end. Languages are going to be silenced. Knowledge, at least, like, Knowledge, at least in the partial, finite, limited sense in which the Corinthians were talking about it and using it, all that's going to pass away. But love never fails. Love is permanent. Love will be eternal. Love will, will track with us in eternity. It outlives all the gifts that the Corinthians get so excited about. And it's because of this that love takes priority. And so if you hear chapter 13 summed up as the chapter on love, it, that's only partly true, right? Because it's part of a larger section, which is speaking to something more, these gifts. Spiritual gifts are not just temporary. They're also partial. They're partial. And I mean that, it, it, like, what do we mean when we're saying, like, you know now in part, or you see now in part? Like, they're partial in that they're incomplete, like we know and, and we prophesy, verse 9 says, in part, with, with partial knowledge and, and incomplete prophecy. It's a, uh, uh, like we see this, we're thinking about a practice both then and now, even at its best, is not fully complete. And ultimately what we get here in the text is that what, what is partial, what is partial will fade into the background and will one day disappear. Why? Why is it going to disappear? Like why is it that the partial disappears? Well, it's because they're appetizers. They're not and we're not the main course. They're helpful, and they're gifts, and they're blessings, and they're good, but they were never the whole thing. If you remember last week, if you were here with us, you could go back and listen to any of these things. I spent time in Hebrews because Hebrews sets this up as a, you've seen this. You follow after Moses or David or these things. You go to the temple for these purposes, and, and you can sum up Hebrews into saying all of that were shadows. All of those things were shadows pointing to Jesus. And when Jesus comes, we don't need the shadow. And so you think like, well, Jesus has come right here. It, but Paul tells us specifically, Jesus has come, and these gifts are still present. He's in fact telling us to pursue them, go after them, eagerly desire these gifts. So Paul's point is simple and it's clear. All spiritual gifts are for this life this life only, and will we'll at some point in the future end. But love is permanent, eternal, never-ending, and that's why love is superior to gifts and, and why gifts exercised without love are worthless. Let 
Like if we get caught up in like, well, I have this gift of knowledge. Guess what? You don't, you've been gifted with something by the Spirit. It's not a talent that you possess. It's a gift of the Spirit. For particular purposes and not for your pride or for your good or for, for you to sit back and do nothing else. It's actually for God's glory and for the blessing of those around us. If we, if we are to get puffed up and to think that anything that we have is apart from like just love, like the love of the body, the love of the bride, the love of this one, like we miss the point of everything that God is doing, that he's doing in this. And so at some point, we, we come to the question of like, okay, so it tells us when, or it tells us like these are going to cease We've got to say, like, when are these going to cease? Because if we're, we've only got partial, we've got, to, we've got to see the when. Have these gifts stopped? And it's this, it's this point, it's this point and this question and where we find the controversy. And so there are all sorts of fantastic people, fantastic followers of Jesus that I, I respect in a lot of ways. But they've answered this question, and some, some of them would come and say, well, we hear it, it, it's answered by all these things, and maybe we've, maybe we've already got to the point where these have, have ended. But I would, I would just simply say and that Paul answers this. <laughs> he answers it directly right here in the text. Verse 10 says, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So we could ask ourselves, we could say to ourselves, like, like, has the perfect come? And some people have tried to answer this by saying, well, the apostles have come. Those who witnessed the resurrection have lived, they've served the church formatively, and they've passed away. And so there's no, there's no one here that's going to have more better knowledge of it than them. They've come, they've died, and so these gifts went with them. Or it's often said, well, we have all of Scripture. And at this day, at this time, they didn't have all of this. But like, So now we have every bit of it, and we're not looking for new scripture. We don't expect there to be new scripture. There won't be. God has given us everything in his word right here. And there's some people, people that like, I'm not putting them down. I just say, I I don't see the text saying that because even with all of this, who would stop and say, everything is perfect? Is it just like, how do we define perfect? It's that the text itself right here actually gives us handles for that. It helps us to make sense of it. It helps us to make sense because he says it right here. Verse 11, Paul goes directly to a a picture, and he puts it in a picture that he uses elsewhere. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Let me back up. I'm going to back up to 10. Sorry, Jeff. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The very next word says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When, when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Like parenthetically, he's talking about maturity. We're moving to degrees of maturity right here. In Ephesians, he's going to talk about that. And in Ephesians 4, he starts to speak and he says, he's like moving towards the fullness of Christ. The fullness, not not part of it, the fullness of Christ. 
And so he puts it in this picture of moving to maturity. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly. So again, we're still answering like, what is perfect? What, what would the perfect be? We see in a mirror dimly, but then, then when the perfect has come, face to face. Face to face. Now I know in part, there's that word again, part. Then I shall know fully. Catch this, because this is really important for us. Even as I have been known, as I have been fully known. When the perfect comes. See, Paul, Paul explains it. He's like, I have knowledge and languages and prophesying for now, but the day is coming when I will no longer need them because God is maturing us. He's bringing us even more and more into us, and we're not just talking about, like, I, I sin less. So, like, what does even maturity look like? It, it will know fully even as I am fully known. You see, the words face-to-face, that's, that is biblical language for being in the presence of God. Face-to-face with the risen one. Face-to-face with God. I mean, what is he speaking to? Paul's referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of human history. And that experience or condition of perfection when we don't see Jesus in a manger. And we don't see Jesus just in, in human form totally. We see Jesus unveiled in glory. No more partial because the perfect has come face to face. It's at that point that the text says that these gifts will fade away. There's no need for them because the glorious one in all his perfection, in all his holiness, in all his glory has come. To try to make the perfect refer to a time in this present age before the coming of Christ in, in like this state of being in which we're face to face with God, face to face with with the glorious Holy One, to try to make it mean something less than that when all sin will be abolished, all, all pain, all hurt, different is to trivialize and minimize the language of verse 12. We've referenced this pastor before, but I'll reference him again because it's worth it, and he has really helpful information for us. Uh, Pastor Sam Storms has written extensively around this. Extensively. And one of of the books I'd recommend you pick up is, if this is new to you or you're asking questions or you're you're like, Chad, I'm with you some of this and I'm still trying to come with you, it's like Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts is just a, a great start right here uh, of just 
read through it and talk about it. But here, from a different book, Sam Storm's book, Practicing the Power, Welcoming the Gifts of the Spirit in Your Life, he, fra- he frames up this passage in this way. He's got a fantastic appendix at the end of that book, which is just uh, essentially 12 bad reasons for being a cessationist. And 12 good reasons for being a continuation. It's a fantastic appendix. It's worth the whole price of the book. But here's what he says. Paul asserts that spiritual gifts will not pass away. Verses 8 through 10. Until the coming of the perfect. If the perfect is indeed the consummation of God's redemptive purposes as expressed in the new heaven and new earth following Christ's return, we can confidently expect him to continue to bless and empower his church with the gifts until that time. I'm going to read that section again. We can confidently expect him to continue to bless and empower his church with the gifts until that time. The problems that emerged in the church at Corinth were not due to spiritual gifts, but to unspiritual people. It was not the gifts of God, but the immature, ambitious, prideful distortion of gifts on the part of some in that church in that church that accounts for Paul's corrective comments. Let's not forget that whatever else one may think or say about spiritual gifts, they were God's idea. Like friends, like maybe you're coming from a background. Maybe you're coming from just a spot in which you'd say, no, these gifts have stopped. They're dangerous. No, these gifts are something else. Friends, they're God's idea. His very word lays out when they cease, when the perfect comes. Maybe you've come from a, a spot where your idea of the spiritual gifts is more informed from Christian television than from the very word of God, and that feels like stomach-turning, and I would raise my hand with you. Because there are distortions. And maybe you've come from a background or a spot where you've been really hurt in some places where someone came to you and they said, well, I've got this spiritual gift and I'm going to tell you this on your life. And you were really hurt and wounded by that. I've had friends that were experiencing infertility and people again and again said, I have a word from God for you and you're going to be pregnant at this time. Friends, that is not how we operate in these things. And maybe you're coming with all sorts of baggage and wounding in this, but what I want you to hear today is so did the church in Corinth. They were a mess. They had messed up every single aspect of what it looks like to be a church. Their their marriage relationships, how they interact with food, how they're hanging out in the community, what they're doing on the weekends. Some are hanging out at the idol temples. They're, They're messing up everything, including the gifts of God. And Paul doesn't say, hey, run from them. He actually says, earnestly desire and pursue them. And so, like, what do we do with that? What do, we, what do we do with it? And praise God, it doesn't leave us there just to figure it out on our own. Uh, the very next words tell us, verse 13 says, So now, so now, 
faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Like, like that's so now is the, it's the what are we supposed to do with this from Paul? And I, I would sum it up to say in faith, in hope, and in love, in faith, in hope, and in love, feast. Feast on all the gifts that God has given. Go after the appetizers that God has as a foretaste of heaven, as a glimpse into the unseen, as a a spot, a blessing, as a moment where God meets us, surprises us. You see, these, these gifts are a sign or an extension of God's love in the here and now. It's when followers of Jesus interact with those around us in faith and hope and in love, pursuing pursuing God to speak and to move and to heal, in which we see his spirit do wondrous things. We trust God to do far more than we could think, dream, or imagine. That we see God actually intervening. These gifts are our blessing for us in the here and now. And these gifts also point us. They're a foretaste of the then and the there. They point us to heaven. They tell us something about heaven. They they tell us uh, of this God who at the center of all of it, at the center of everything, when the fullness is there and we're actually face-to-face with perfection, when sin and death and cancer and hurt and all the longings find their satisfaction in God and we're not worried, there's no more darkness, there's no more gates even, and everything is not partial, it is full love will still be at the center of it. The love of God is still at the very center of it. Not everybody thinks it's good to think about heaven. Not everybody thinks it is right to just keep our eyes fixated. But I would tell you, and I would think the scriptures back this up again and again, that when we're saying, God, you are coming, you are coming again, that we take our eyes off of our present troubles. We take our eyes off of our present struggles. We take our eyes off of our present fears and anxieties and all the things that lead us to shrink. We actually stand in faith, hope, and love. When we remind our hearts, we remind our minds, we remind our gut that the perfect is coming. See, spiritual gifts are a blessing, a wonderful blessing to all around. And and we need them now. We need them right now. But even when they operate at their fullest, when they operate just exactly how we would dream of it, at their most effective level, they can only bring us knowledge that is partial. They can only bring us a partial glimpse of these things. We know know now in part and we prophesy in part because they're a foretaste. 
They're a foretaste of heaven. They're a foretaste of what is to come. And that's Paul's point in all of this. Heaven will be an experience of eternal, unending, complete intimacy with God. He tells us that we will see face to face. When, the, when he comes again, we'll see him face to face in all of it. And it's where we're in the very presence of the Holy One, the resurrected one, the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, the hope in this life and the next. See, heaven will be a never-ending feast on the knowledge and the presence and the ever-increasing love and joy and delight that we experience in God. So much more. It's how he can say in verse 12, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We can sum it all up in this one word. We can sum it up with a single word that Paul uses. Perfection. And until that day, we pursue all the gifts that God has given us. Those that are mundane and those that defy our imagination. Those that are past explanation. Those that are rightly labeled miraculous. We say, God, work. Do what only you can do. Would you bow your heads with me?